Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. And one of the reasons we now think it was challenging is because there's good reason to believe that there were actually two suspects who are tied to the murder of a scene at the Ducat. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. New tonight at 6, a major update on a murder that devastated an upper Arlington community more than 40 years ago. Today, police are saying that Asenath Ducat's case is... In August, the police department in Upper Arlington, Ohio, made an announcement related to the decades-old murder case of 8-year-old Asenath Ducat. So yeah, so today we're just announcing that we have closed the Ducat murder case. This was a murder case that occurred about 40 years ago. And so today we released the the closure to that. So we wanted to put it out there, hoping that the community and the Ducat family and obviously the police department could just find a a little bit of peace and find some closure to what was a, a very horrific event. The case is now closed, but not everyone in the community believes it should be. Sini's former classmates are not convinced. They released this statement saying in part, the case may be closed by the city of Upper Arlington, but it is far from closed for us. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Joining me from local news station 10TV in Columbus, Ohio, is reporter Brittany Bailey. Brittany, thanks for being here once again. Thanks for having me. Always fun to chat. So this time around, we're looking at a 1980 murder case you recently covered, the murder of eight-year-old Asenath Ducat. Start by taking us through what exactly happened back in June of 1980. Yes, we've now passed the 40th anniversary of this, if you can believe it. But this happened, as you mentioned, back in June, on June 3rd of 1980, in a community called Upper Arlington. And it's a pretty well-established and wealthy community just outside of Columbus, sort of a smaller community. It was the type of community where the children walked to and from school. They all knew each other, very tight-knit. And so Asenath was walking home from school that day and never made it home. Um, As soon as she was getting a little bit late, her mother ended up calling the teacher to find out what had happened. And the class that day actually had been held about 10 minutes late because of someone acting up in class. So there was a little bit of a late start getting back home, but that that time it was too late. And so soon after the police were called and an all out search took place in the neighborhood. And I think around 7.30 that evening, a scene was found in a creek bed Her skull had been bashed, she had been raped, and she was found dead. And then the search was on to find whoever did it. Talk about 
that search, what did the investigation into Asenath Dukat's killing look like back in 1980? It was tough. You know, certainly back then there were not as many resources as there are now. Um, there were um, some reasons to believe that perhaps the crime scene was not treated properly, lots of folks walking in and out. And so that may have damaged the amount of evidence that could be taken, but that's been disputed over the years by different detectives and police officers who have worked on the case. But they were not able to collect that much DNA evidence, though. They were able to basically collect the clothing she was wearing, the rock from the creek bed that had killed her, and a little bit of DNA evidence, some blood and things like that, that they could try to test. But of course, at that time, the testing was not that great either. And as we can talk about later on, they started to redo some of the testing, which finally led to what police believe is the conclusion of the case. But that's also still in dispute. So back then, they had to rely a lot on witnesses. They went around and they tried to talk to everyone about what they had seen, who they had seen, and tried to track down suspects that way. And really, one of the big problems was coming up with a composite sketch. There were differences of opinion about how that should look, but they came up with one that was widely circulated. Lots of kids who lived there at the time who are now adults just remember seeing that picture and that composite everywhere. And one of the reasons we now think it was challenging is because there's good reason to believe that there were actually two suspects who are tied to the murder of Asenath Dukat. And so some people may have seen one, some people may have seen the other, and that was very confusing because they don't really look alike. So that really caused some challenges, I think, in the beginning of the investigation as well. 10TV has covered this case quite a bit over the years. And you mentioned in your most recent story that this is a case that's had a pretty profound impact on this community of Upper Arlington. Talk about that impact. Absolutely. I mean, I really would be remiss if I didn't point out the website, The Long Walk Home. It's an incredible resource. And frankly, the people behind that are just incredible, amazing human beings who have kept this story alive. They have never given up hope on finding answers because they were frankly so traumatized by what had happened. As I mentioned, it was a tight-knit community. And I remember, you know, in talking to a couple of the gentlemen who run this site, you know, hearing about how troubled they were after this happened and really how scared many of the children were in the community. One talked about, you know, having this composite sketch hanging on the refrigerator. So every time you come home after school to get an after school snack out of the fridge, you're greeted with that. This composite sketch was in windows of homes and businesses. And this, this crime just permeated the community. And, you know, Sini was just a beloved little girl as well. And so they, the investigative work that they have done on their own, sometimes in cooperation, sometimes not in cooperation with the police, is just incredible. And if anyone really wants to find out more about this case, that is an incredible resource. I have relied on talking with them throughout the years that I've just been researching this. And I owe everything really that I know about this case to them. And I just, I would feel terrible not mentioning um, how much of an impact they have made on this case. And frankly, I think the only reason they've kept this alive in many cases has been because of this group of folks. And I need to point out, they have all remained anonymous. They want nothing out of this. They want no attention on them. They don't want to reveal who they are. They just want to keep this in the spotlight. And even though there is now, which we can talk about, um, a conclusion to this case, the police have now come out and said that they have solved it and they're closing this case. They're not done. They don't believe that what the police came up with in the end is the end of this case. 
let's talk about how we got to this point. So as you laid out, there was all of this evidence back in the 80s. There were a few seemingly promising leads, but the case went unsolved for decades. It's then in 2008, as we've learned, that this case kind of popped back up on investigators' radar. Why was that? Well, at that point, they had made a DNA match with another suspect named Brent Strutner. He also, by the way, lived in the same community at one time as the CNS Ducat. So that's interesting to note. And when they found this DNA evidence, they were determined that this was their suspect. However, the problem was, this is in 2008, Brent Strutner had died in 1984 by jumping out the window of the downtown Columbus YMCA. So... At that point, one might think that they would simply close the case. You can't obviously pursue charges against someone who's no longer with us, but they didn't do that. It's then in August that police just announced they'd solve the case. Take us through that announcement. Well, to be honest, it, it was a strange announcement. Um, it seemingly came out of nowhere, and I went to what ended up sort of being an impromptu press conference. They sent out a release, or I think they actually just posted the announcement on the police department's website. And of course, with the high interest of this case, all of the media outlets said, yes, let's talk more about this. We want to come. And they didn't even have a press conference set up. We all were just there wanting to talk. And so we walked into a room and and kind of made it happen and just asked a few questions. And one of my questions was, why now? And they said, well, there's no really reason for now. We just sometimes go through and look at our cases and decide that, you know, this one has been solved or should be closed. And that's what we're doing in this case. This is just part of our process at the end of something like this. We would, you know, we would make an announcement and this is just the way, this is just the way the timing worked out. There's nothing specific about today. And they cited um, new DNA evidence tying Brent Strutner to the crime, but didn't specify also what that was. There was new technology that was performed on DNA that we had collected at the scene. So the way that DNA works is obviously we collect it. Sometimes it's to eliminate people. Sometimes it's to, you know, confirm what the suspects that we might already know. In this case, we had suspects developed early on. And so as technology kind of caught up with the physical evidence that we had, it allowed us to be more definitive in, in, that, in that realm. So they talked about new DNA technology being able to determine. So one could guess that they looked at some DNA evidence again, had it retested with some newer technology, and then were even more determined that he was responsible. I, of course, questioned um, the people there at the time about this other suspect, and they really wouldn't discuss that. They just said, this is our suspect, and we're now closing the case. Another interesting thing that came out of that is I had stopped by to try to talk to a scenes Ducat's mother that day just to see, you know, if this maybe came as a relief to her that her daughter's case would finally be closed. I didn't find her at the house. So I thought, well, maybe that's because she's going to be at the press conference. Well, as I mentioned, it didn't really turn out to be much of a press conference and she wasn't there. And not only was she not there, we were told the family was not even informed prior to the announcement. So over the course of the last 40 years, we've had conversations with the family. Um, but as far as, um, you know, today or, or in the last few weeks, you know, we don't, you know, we didn't, we didn't reach out to them at all. Because her mother still lives at the same address, right? Yeah, I don't want to talk about where 
you know, she might she leave. We want, yeah. I, haven't talked to her? I think I think the focus the focus is really that there is closure in this case, and you know, the Ducat family has suffered so much throughout the years. You know, we don't want to to really bring up you know these kinds of things. So that was a little strange as well. And not many new answers came out of that other than they have decided to officially close the case and they feel that they have their suspect. And when it comes to other suspects, they said if any new information would ever come along that would lead them to need to reopen the case or look at it again, they would. But at this time, they don't have that. That was not really satisfactory for the folks behind the Long Walk Home website. And if anyone who visits the site will see right now a note pop up talking about how they feel their work is not done. They absolutely still feel that another person was likely responsible in some way as well. Right. I visited the website for the Long Walk Home today. And that statement says, Asina's case is closed by the city of Upper Arlington, but it's far from closed for us. We applaud the countless hours and hard work that led to the confirmation of Brent Strutner's involvement in the crime However, after viewing the totality of the evidence, it's reasonable to conclude Brent Strutner did not act alone. Our mission will continue based on that belief. And as long as the Ducat family and our community continue to support our efforts to bring all involved to justice. So is there any indication that police are looking at somebody else potentially being involved? Not that I have. I think, honestly, they have closed this, and I don't think that there's been intense work on this case for quite some time. So I can't see anything else happening in this case unless someone else comes across, you know, sort of the smoking gun, so to speak, and I'm not sure what that would be. Another detail that struck me in the news release from Upper Arlington Police Chief Steve Farmer is that he says he's the sixth chief to oversee this investigation, and it struck me not just thinking about those generations of investigators that have worked this case, but the generations of family members and community members that have all been affected by this case. I mean, this has been hanging over this community for more than four decades now. And oftentimes an announcement like this will bring some sense of relief or closure to a community. But as you've laid out, there are still all of these lingering questions here. You're exactly right. And I think that's a good way to describe it. Instead of relief, I think it brought almost frustration in a way. Um, You know, you want a case like this to be closed and you want to finally have those answers, even if it's, you know, not the answer you want. I mean, everyone knows the scene, it's not coming back. Um, You're not going to get a happy ending to this, so to speak, but this one wasn't even satisfactory. I haven't been able to hear directly from any of her family members, but I know that it has been very, very difficult for the many classmates who cared for her to accept this. And as we've talked about, they're not really accepting this. I, I reached out to, you know, the two gentlemen from the site I've been in contact with, and they were they really had a tough time with this. Um, and so, you know, it's it's just sad that after all of these years, the case is essentially closed by the people in charge, but without the answers that many people wanted. Brittany Bailey with 10TV in Columbus. Thanks for sharing the story. Sure thing. And as always, thanks to you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. 
If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows that includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.